Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Well. Welcome. Well, welcome. Welcome. To No One Likes the Tuna Podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. Jess Gray, get on the pod. Jess Gray, get on the pod. We're live over here. We're live. Oops, that's my bad. Yeah, Sorry, no, it's cool. How you doing? I didn't realize you already started. I'm good. How are you? I mean, more the miserable now that I'm recording a podcast about <laughs> Fast and Furious. The world's <laughs> premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. My name is Nick, Nick, Nick Nocera. My name's Jess Gray. And I'm Daryl Wong. Yeah, Daryl. Every I'm week you now, you we watch a uh, we watch a Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about it. And this week we watched Fate of the Furious F eight. Dirty it. Yeah. Um, brief overline. I do have a movie to talk about besides mm-hmm. Fate of the Furious. I think okay. we have to talk about. But top line, how was your watch through this week? Um, it was good. So I took the liberty of splitting it into two halves. Mm. And I will say it was a little bit unusual. I left like the set, the last 50 minutes of the movie like to watch today. Kind of a weird time to watch like yeah. a uh, submarine nuclear threat uh, sort of thing. Completely agree. Yeah, we don't have to totally go into it, but it did definitely, it came across, I was watching it live, I was like, ooh, a little bit different this time around. Do you, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, so just a little bit twisted, a little bit perverse, but also, like, I was feeling a little bit, you know, we use, we see a lot of, um, you know, we see nukes in movies all the time, and it definitely has a desensitization effect that... Makes it difficult to kind of like associate real life events with what's I going on in the movies. I think, I think that's very. I think as an action movie writer, you sort of have to just leap in, just like take that jump leap. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things where they say like comedy, good com, like comedy is just never going to age well, right? Like if you're a comedian. You're going to try stuff and the stuff you try and the stuff you do is just like, is it going to play in five years, 10 years, 20 years at all? And mm-hmm. a lot of times the answer is no. Just like five, right. 10, 20 years down the line, the culture has shifted so much or in just in a way that what you're making fun of is no longer worth making fun of. It's no longer appropriate to make fun of. It's just like it's a swing that just doesn't work anymore whatever that's like comedy it is not evergreen right mm-hmm. i think as a action if you're writing action movie i think these action movies you're just like it's not to the same degree but you do have to take some swings that's like there may be a come a time in the world where like this just doesn't play as well or as right as maybe it could it, it did when it came out right mm-hmm. and you know, I think about this like during the global pandemic when um, we were, you know, there's movies like the the Hobbs and Shaw, you know, came out a year before the global pand- pandemic and it's all about like a super virus that's going to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely like moments where you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, contextually, world events, I think, have an effect on your viewing experience, especially in the action realm, you know? Yeah. And you think about, I mean, and it's, and depending on what it is, I mean, like that Contagion movie was something that everybody wanted to watch. And it was almost like semi educational <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And that movie had come out years before the pandemic, right? Mm hmm. Um, not a movie I ever caught. Did you watch Contagion? Yeah, I watched yeah. it. Yeah, never, I've never seen it. Yeah, I watched it. I think maybe around the same time we were also doing the Resident Evil, um, uh-huh. like side series, yeah, as well. So we had a lot of kind of like viral stuff, but something yeah. about sort of this uh, particular watch through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With this particular watch through, this like specific segment of the movie that I'm watching right now, it, yeah, it's just hit a little different than it ever has in the 24 previous watches. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen it because I think it came out right around my like anti Soderbergh phase. I had a very mm. childish anti Steven Soderbergh phase, I think. Mm-hmm. Right around this time, 20, 2010 to 2013 or 14, maybe even out into the 15, like side effects. Like, do we remember that movie, Side Effects? Mm, I maybe like watched that. A couple in a row, Soderbergh wise, where I was like, I'm not into what this dude is doing right now, basically. Mm-hmm. And Contagion ended up just being one I missed because I was just like, ah. Eh. I'm not in the mood to spend money seeing this. Mm-hmm. And then when the pandemic hit and everybody was like re-contagioning, I was like, I can't handle it. I, I think I was just like in a mo- I was like, I can't handle that. I'm not, okay. <laughs> I'm not watching that movie right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. I get why, but it's not, that's not something that's happening at this moment. Right. So yeah, it just never <clears throat> might be worth a watch for me at this moment. Um, yeah, but fake, Fate of the Furious, the nuclear submarine things happening. Like, there's definitely a different context to be <laughs> yeah. watching that movie in, at this moment in the world. Yeah. So. Um, I did see a movie, though, recently. Mm-hmm. Not a Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you watch the opposite of Revenge of the Nerds? Is that... The... <laughs> Is that, is that your take on it? Uh, I mean, I'm just using the uh, the context from the movie from Fate here. Tyrese yeah. or Roman compares. It's like, all right, would you like, what do you see yourself with? Revenge of the Nerds or right. Dark Knight over here? Right, right, you're right, talking right, right. About? Yeah, I saw the, yeah, I saw that new, I saw the Batman movie. Did you mm. see it? I did not. Okay. So we'll go, we're going to go spoiler. I'm going to talk about Batman in a very spoiler free context. Thank you. Um, But I did want to give a couple thoughts. I generally dug the movie. Like it is extreme, relentlessly moody, I would say, which Mm. definitely doesn't sound good, but I'd say that's a more of a mixed bag of a descriptor than... Uh, bad. I would say like it is it is moody as hell, but the mood is kind of like vibey and good, right? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, it's definitely got shit going on. Um, it's got hardcore vibes. It's moody, 
Robert Pattinson, the best actor working right now, like stands around and stares at shit the whole movie. But it's like works. It's like working. You're like, uh-huh. why is this working? He literally spends whole scenes not saying sh- anything and like just staring at people. And you're like, this is this is so doing it for me. I don't mm-hmm. understand why. I don't understand why. It's really got a good. It works really well. Um, I think he's good. I think the moods are good. I think it's like beautifully shot. Um, the music's a little. The score in my mind is a little over the top, but that's okay. But um, I generally think like Matt Reeves, Steady Hand does a good job. Robert Pattinson, everybody in the movie is doing well. Zoe Kravitz gives her the first performance of her career that I thought like, oh, you're good. Like mm-hmm. maybe the second. I liked her and Kimmy, but. I really haven't been big on her before this, and I was like, you're doing great in this. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, this movie is two hours and 56 minutes long. <laughs> oh and God. in my mind, it, it should be a jailable offense to make a movie this long. <laughs> like, uh-huh. somebody, should, somebody should go to jail. <laughs> Somebody go to go to jail over this movie being that long. Two fifty six is I too mean, damn long. I I can't even. I can't describe it. I can't describe the like process of seeing that. And to, I like, you know, you're an hour in. You're like, oh, I'm gonna have to pee. And usually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you get that feeling an hour in, you're like, oh, another hour, like. I'll make it happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be okay. But when you are sitting there and you get the inklings of, like, in your bladder and you're, you're like, oh, no, there's actually, like, two more hours to go. There's a full movie between me and the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it go? How's it skip up? Uh, so, pause here. Mm. Uh, do you look up movie runtimes before you watch the movie? Um, I knew this movie was three hours long. Got it. Got it. I... it. But only because some of the things I had read about it were like, whoa, it's three hours long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, yeah, I have never done that before. I very much try to never watch a trailer. Mm. Just like based on just a title coming out, then I know that I'm watching the movie. Zero preparation nice. whatsoever. Nice. And so I, in fact, am always surprised when um, a mo- when I start to get that feeling. Who knows where in the middle of the movie? I have no clue how long um, it'll take to get relief. And on many occasions, like yeah, many occasions, I've had to take the break. And I yeah. know that's rude. It's rude to other movie viewers, but it needs to happen. Yeah, because suffering—I've done that too. I... Usually, not worth it. I think in 2014 or 15, The Hateful Eight came out. Mm -hmm. And I could be wrong about the year, but Tarantino insisted on having a couple 70 millimeter prints done. And those played in New York and LA and then like a couple other select theaters. And he insisted, I, I mean, this was the story, was like he was pushing and insisted that those prints and those special screenings have a 15-minute intermission in the middle of. I'll remember that intermission for the rest of my life. 
It was mm-hmm. one of the best movie-going... Ex- I don't like that movie very much, but it was one of the best movie-going experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. If this movie had had an intermission, I, I mean, it would, I, would, I think I'd like it 15% more. Uh-huh. Between Robert Pattinson, oh, love Zoe the guy. Kravitz, a love her. substantial intermission yeah. here. That's the recipe for a real a good time. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Robert Pattinson movie, Good Time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I got lucky and could hold it to a point where there was a big action sequence and then there was a scene after, there's always a sort of a come down after a big action. So it's af- mm-hmm. right after a big action sequence, good time to go. There was a scene where he was just sort of standing around talking to Alfred. And like I ran out, peed, came back, and the scene, he was still standing around talking to Alfred. I was like, I nailed that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. Nailed that. Nailed that. So yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that is one of the um, sort of unrealized benefits of us watching action movies on a regular cadence here is yeah. that I think we have a um, abnormally sensitive feel for the ebb and flow of an action movie. Totally. Because in the times, even during when I watched um, Fast 9 in theaters, I used the bathroom in that one. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get good at it. You get you good. Get and good. as we get older, older, hopefully we get better at it. To be honest. With you. Yeah. I, yeah. I just Anyway, so Batman, I would uh, go see it, go see it on a screen the size of a planet, you know, like have mm-hmm. a good time and um um Yeah, I mean that's a movie talking about what we've been talking about with Fast Eight is like that movie uses current things political things happening mm-hmm. in a way to like to affect you basically mm-hmm. in a way that like it wants you to get that sort of uncomfortable vibes about certain current political climate stuff mm-hmm. and uses that stuff to inform your feelings about characters and situation you know what i mean and um and i think it does it pretty effectively to be honest with you. Um, so I think there's that other side of the coin where it's like, it's maybe the fate of furious nuclear submarine writer. (laughs) We're intending for that to be viewed in the context of like geopolitics, Mm -hmm. right? Actual real life geopolitics. But you know, you can use, if there is a situation in real life geopolitics or, you know, domestic politics that you can use to your advantage to make the audience feel a certain way, like that's an option. Mm. That's sort of the using it to your advantage on the other side of the coin there. And maybe that won't age as well either. Maybe the context behind that choice will disappear as time goes on and people won't get the same resonance out of that kind of thing. Just like a, or, I, yeah, go ahead. Or it takes a level of preparation, mm-hmm. kind of like when you're watching movies in a school context. It takes mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit of preparation sure. in order to like prepare yourself to understand the movie. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, I last week we talked about Mr. Nobody a little mm-hmm. bit, right? And we 
talked about um, how nobody felt like a sort of a turning point in the series. Mm-hmm. That before nobody, there's sort of the before nobody, BN and AN in the series, right? Mm-hmm. And I really felt that in this watch through. And the reason I felt that is that like they charge in with little nobody, Scott Eastwood's character. Um, they charge into this movie with Scott Eastwood's character in a way that they are like assuming the audience has a connection and an affinity for Mr. Nobody, which they don't, I think we don't have at this point. Mm-hmm. If right. we, I think Scott Eastwood's character would work a ton better if we had grown with Mr. Nobody over two or three movies and then saw like his little sidekick. He got, oh, now he has a little sidekick. Mm-hmm. Versus, here's this guy who's sort of replacing Paul Walker, who's dead. Mm-hmm. And um, he's sort of coming from this world, or like you know, like the the a clan of people in these movies that is taking the Fast and Furious away from things that it has historically been. So it's both change. It's like the too much change too fast is sort of the mm-hmm. the easy way to say what I'm trying to say. Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. And you'd almost, like, if we think about one through four even, right? We have Bilkins, we have Mustache Guy from two. Like, they um, they come back and we see a little bit of them later. But the jump, and yeah, there's a, the sort of detective, cop, FBI string of characters sort of, like, Manifests in you know we get Hobbs sort of but then yeah we but also he's get still nobody. law enforcement well and I guess like nobody is presented in a way as law enforcement mm-hmm. but I guess that I feel like the differentiator and I, this is a good topic to explore is like what's the mm-hmm. difference why does nobody feel so different maybe it's because like. Like, a lot of this series, before nobody positioned itself between, like, the rules and freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the rules are oppression. The rules of society are oppression. And, and, and the real, you know, living without rules and living without those things are freedom. And that was presented easily in one. It was, like, the sort of racing versus cops thing. In two, you know, like, all they want is immunity. They want to get out from under the lash of the law. That You know, that kind of thing. They have to work within the rules of this system of the customs agency, which they bump up against. There's all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Three, it's like the rules of society, you know, um, the rules of adulthood that they're rebelling against and not ready for, school, parents, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Four, we're sort of back to this. We use that 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 groundwork of sort of this rules versus freedom thing, but we present it in the way of one character versus another character, where one character is the rules, and one character is free, is you mm-hmm. know striving for freedom and against those rules. Um, 
And then five, you know, it's the same thing. It's like Hobbes is the law, right? Hobbes is still brought into this equation where he is the law, Mm -hmm. right? He's here to set down a set of rules for these guys. Mm -hmm. Nobody represents this transition into lawlessness, into rulelessness, where it's like, what is his code? What is his set of rules that he governs himself by? What is the set of rules that he is representing? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And none of that are really presented clearly. It's like all he's sort of bringing to the table is like shadowy CIA shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Anyway, I'm blabbing about that. I'm, I'm going on a sort of a little tear about this, but yeah. I see it. I mean, I think maybe that even gives more meaning to the name Mr. Nobody because mm. we spend the first uh, back and forth. Are we good? Are we bad? Are we good? Are we bad? And by the time we get to six, we meet Mr. Nobody. Who knows? And like, right. are our main characters, is the gang good or bad? And like, who cares? Is Mr. Nobody kind of the pinnacle of that? And with unlimited resources and connections, but still kind of operating in ghost space. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. With, with impunity as to what he's governed, like what is governing his decisions and, and, and his actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he certainly has goals, right? Like he doesn't want God's eye to fall into the hands of Jose. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want um, you know, in this movie he he doesn't want uh fucking cipher to take hack the global infrastructure or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the keeper of all things all the time, of all <laughs> things all the time. yeah. And I think characters with that much omniscient power don't work as well. Right? They're not grounded. They're not grounded in anything. They don't have a code. Mm -hmm. And the code is family. (laughs) Also, I was thinking about this. This is 9 and 10. I mean, 10 and 11. Like, Mm -hmm. when we talk about what should happen. Dom's son should be like an adult character in those movies. Hmm. Right? Like, let's leap forward do... 10 years. Mm-hmm. Do some aging on the main cast? I don't think we'd have to. <laughs> <laughs> Come as you are. Uh, you're all good. Don't, don't worry about the makeup. Just look like that. Do you want to put some, like, gray lines? or No. You're good. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You look good. You look age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. That'd be right? nice. I think that'd be I cool. Mean, when it comes to baby Ryan, that kind of leads to the thing that I was thinking. Like, why does why does Deckard Shaw bring the baby back? Like, I've been mm-hmm. we've been doing this mm-hmm. Jason Statham stuff on the side. I've been kind of focused on this Deckard Shaw character. They give us a little bit of a clue, right? He's talking about so right at the end. Decker rolls up. He's got the baby. He says, hey, how did you know that I was going to go and save your baby? Dom goes, brotherhood. 
And he's kind of referring back to the fact that um, it's not the brotherhood between those two. It's he's referring to Deckard and Owen's mm-hmm. brotherhood. Yeah. And that refers back to the conversation inside of the glass room. Hey, like, why, why are you bringing this tea and crumpets guy here? And Owen, he very quickly um, tries to sort of like establish a tie between he establishes that tie. So he says, all right, like Cypher at some point hired Owen to steal a nightshade device. Yeah. While simultaneously she had also hired Mose in seven to hire God's eye. And it was supposed to be the fusion of the nightshade and the God's eye device. Right. That allows her to take over. Right. So knowing that, all right, let's say, all right, like maybe it is brotherhood. That's why you went and saved the baby. Cypher gets away. So how are they all of a sudden on good? How are, how are Here, well, Deckard I mean, and Dom all of a sudden on good terms? I don't know. Okay. I mean, that's sort of a separate question to me than why does Deckard save the baby? Mm-hmm. Deckard has a grudge against Cypher. We know this, right? His but goal is only, to get Cypher. It's, it's very loose. It's a loose... Well, everything in this movie is loose because it's <laughs> loosely written, right? Because you know, hi, yeah, Cipher hires Owen as like a you know for work. Hey, this is a job. Like, I'm going to pay you. Go do these things. Do this yeah. nightshade device. And the only reason why Owen gets you know like falls out of a plane is because he ran into Dom. So well, how does, right. Yeah, but didn't 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 Deckard like turn down the job? Didn't she approach mm-hmm. Deckard first and he was like, no, you're a crazy lady. Like I'm turning down the job. And so she went after his brother. Mm. So entra- maybe she entrapped, entrapped him in her, the same right, way. Like in the same, yeah. In very similar mm. fashion as Dominic Toretto in this film, Fate of the Furious directed by F. Gary Gray. So perhaps that's the case. I see. Here's what I think though is another case. Deckard Shaw doesn't hate babies. Hmm. And like, if he's infiltrating a plane on which a baby is being held hostage in a glass sealed room, mm-hmm. I think like part of his mish is like, well, I'm not an animal. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. get the baby. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take out all the henchmen. I'm going to try to kill Cypher. That's my main goal. That's goal number one. But goal number two is also get baby. Mm-hmm. Get baby, make baby safe. Mm-hmm. And because he's obviously a family man in, in of some sorts. You know, his arm is sort of twisted into it by his mother. <laughs> but, you know, he cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why there's no option to blow up the plane. No option to blow up the plane, you know, no, yeah, it's not possible, Mm -hmm. not possible. Got it. And once he's retrieved the baby, he doesn't want to keep the baby. There's no reason why he'd want to do that. He's really just dropping it off at the time. He's not staying for, he's not staying for lunch. He's not staying for lunch. He's gone, Mm -hmm. you know? He's out of there, doesn't need to be involved, doesn't need to hang around. I'm sure there's a lot of resentment. From the crew, in right. terms of his role in Han's killing and other things. So, 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's my thoughts on Decker. Yeah. I mean, this movie's loose and I, I, it's not very good. This movie's not very good. Right? Right. Okay. All right. Do you want to do some shout outs or you got more to say about Fate of the Furious? Uh, I think I'm good on Fate this week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, real quick, I'll shout out first. Sure. Uh, I bought a new uh, mixer. Oh. Uh, it's a very similar mixer to the mixer I had before, but the mixer I had before didn't work. And this one mm-hmm. does work. And that's why I'm able to use this new microphone. I don't know if folks can hear the difference. Um, it's a Behringer Q502 USB. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a little one. It's got a little, it cost me $65. And I paid for inputs? it. One input. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple aux lines. Um, but yeah, one DMX input mm-hmm. and a USB output, which is literally all I need. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's working, working great. So um, and it's small, so it fits. I got a lot of junk on my desk. Fits well on my desk, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I could like pick it up and show it to you right now, but instead I'm going to send you a picture. Okay. I'm going to text you a picture of it because, uh, I don't want to mess that up. Anyway, it works good. And I paid for it through, um, the funds that we receive from patreon.com slash no one likes the tune podcast. Uh, I'm not out here wasting your money willy nilly. But I am here to say thank you for this mixer. Um, it's the first piece of equipment I bought for this podcast in maybe five years. And uh, I'm really happy with it. So if you want to help make this pod uh, good, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sign up. Throw us a buck. Anyway, half shout out, half plug. That's a good one. And the picture looks really good. So cute. I mean, it's you cute. went for the smaller version I went of it. for the small one, yeah. I went for the big boy. I have to have like a separate piece of furniture over here to nice. store this guy. But I am very pleased with it. So Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. What do you want to shout out to today? Um, so mine is an anti-shout out. Mm. Mm. And it seems like it happens seasonally. But for me, at least, it's password reset season because every one of my systems work stuff my personal stuff everybody needs me to reset my password right now and it's a huge pain in the ass yeah like i have so many things that i log into even just for the work stuff and it's just i can't access any of it and it's terrible uh do you have some sort of password manager i don't I mean, well, when I do stuff on my phone, fool's, when I do stuff on my phone, that's a fool's life in 2022. <laughs> You're living it. I don't. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to have one on my work computer. As far as like saving that stuff mm-hmm. anywhere, I'm not really supposed to be saving anything. And I, I do have, have like Chrome. I use Google Chrome as my password mm-hmm. manager, and right. uh, just autofills. I don't. I mean, I'm probably have. I probably have 500 passwords. <laughs> I remember two of them. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, it just fills it up. Right. Yeah. 
And I have a very secure password and two-factor authentication on my Chrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I have that, but, yeah, I am constantly having to authenticate once I redo it's, my password. And it, it affects so many different systems that I use. I mean, I do... I mean, I'm a fan of the FaceTime recognition thing, mm. but, I mean, that's a huge benefit to just whatever I had before. I had a, I guess I had the thumbprint one before, which was okay. Yeah. But the face recognition is good, but... It's secure. I mean, yeah. It, but I'm definitely in the middle of password reset season, and it's driving me nuts. No, that's brutal. And, like, there's definitely things... I'm a fan of internet security or whatever. Mm-hmm. Two-factor authentication, I understand why it's, like, 10x times more secure or whatever. It's also annoying as fuck. It's just like so, it's so annoying. And then you have to like two factor authentication to log in to like click reset password to go back to your email to click the mm-hmm. link to go to that thing to try to reset your password, then to two factor authenticate again to like get in. And then you have to log in again. And then it considers that a new first time login with a new password. So you have to two factor authenticate again. It just drives me nuts. I'm <laughs> doing that all day, every day. I get it. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. bad. It's bad. So, um, yeah, uh, but not, well, you know what's not bad? Our, and only our Twitter account, which is at Nolt Podcast, N-O-L-T-T Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, do it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about this podcast. We have a good time recording it for you guys, but we also want people to listen to it i think i think i'm at the stage of my life where i want people to listen to this Mm -hmm. i don't know i'll decide later anyway at nold podcast we are no one likes to tune a podcast on instagram no one likes to tune a podcast at gmail.com patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast gonna throw that one out there again if you want to throw us one dollar that'll be very cool uh, and then um, rate and review us, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you catch your pods, throw us a review. That's actually the most helpful, most free thing you can do to help the pod out is to review us or tell your friends. Honestly, even if they haven't listened, just mm. tell them to throw us a review. It would be real nice. Uh, my name is Nick Narcera. And I'm Daryl Wong, signing off for episode eight here we've got two more to go hobbs next week nine after and that's a wrap that's and a wrap on cycle 23 we'll be already yep we'll yeah be on our in- way to another in-betweener the in-betweener poll will be up on patreon uh this week hopefully i think so um yeah get ready for that and uh we'll see talk to you guys soon